0: And all God's people said, "Amen." Thank you. you. May be seated this morning. I'm thankful that we serve a great, great God. God is good, all and all the time. Man, I am excited to be here today. I'm excited to we start this new series. And uh, hey, just thank you on behalf of all the staff. I Want to say thank you for uh, the notes and the cards of appreciation, and just taking the time to acknowledge. Uh, us today, and let me just say, we uh, we do have a great staff at Hallmark Baptist Church, and I'm thankful for all that have as been mentioned. That one day, God got a hold of them, and they said, "I, I want to." God is calling me to pursue full time vocational ministry, and I'm thankful that all of our staff love you and they love God, and um, we have a great team getting to serve together. But I thank you. Uh, for all of you who put this together and, and honored us today, and I, I just want to say thank you on behalf of, of all the staff. Now, I'm going to just warn you right now. What I'm about to say, we're all going to be in agreement on, but there may be some tension if I don't set the table first. Okay, so we're all going to say amen. Are you guys track with me? Shake your head. Amen. All right, we're all going to say amen to this. Marriage is tough. All right, so we just got to get that out there, right? I didn't want you to kind of left out to say amen, and your wife kind of stares at you like, what? Uh, it's true, marriage is, is tough. How many of you have been married less than five years? Raise your hand. Less than five years, raise your hand. Actually, less than five years, let's, would you guys stand up? This is kind of, I just want to acknowledge you. If you've been married less than five years, all right? All right, let's give these honeymooners a hand, right? Newlyweds, all right? You, you can be seated. How, how about, anybody been le- married less than a year? Less than a year. We got some right here, right there. Another one's over here. Man, three couples. Is there more? All right, very good. Could, could you guys just all commit to pray for them right now? All right, you, you guys can be seated, but man, less than a year. That, uh, how many of you, the, the first year of your marriage, you thought, I picked the wrong one? Maybe I should have set the table for that one, okay? I'm, I'm thinking, now I never thought that, because I don't make bad choices, but no. <laughs> I can almost put money, all the money I might have on that my wife, multiple times in that first year is like, wow, wow, I, I, I messed up. I messed up. So, you know, we have, we do have several uh, couples that are just been married, several that are about to get married, and I'm thankful that, that uh, Chris and Cassandra Kirkendall, they're going to be starting a new, uh, newly married couples class uh, on November the 3rd, and so I'm excited about that, because I, the truth is, that first couple years of marriage is tough. Uh, all of marriage is, is tough. Again, i you guys can say amen to that, because we've all agreement, right, that, uh, but marriage is tough, marriage is difficult. Now, Joy and I, we, will, we just celebrated in July our 26th wedding anniversary, which is awesome, yeah. And uh, we, we got married really, really young, and, and so I, I just got a, a poll we want to take this morning to see, you know, uh, did you guys see my, our engagement photo online this week? In, in case you didn't see it, I know it's such a pleasure uh, for you to look at this. Let, let me show you our engagement photo. Isn't this awesome? Yeah. <laughs> That's like big hair, don't care kind of thing right there. Uh, I'm just glad I still have hair, which is cool. But uh, So here's the question. How many of you think we should bring turtlenecks back? <laughs> all right. Who says no way they never were actually in? Okay, maybe. I don't know. Man, we got the reverse match going on there. It almost looks like we got the same watch on, but we won't talk about that. Uh, anyways, <laughs> let's get the screen on. let's get that off the screen, all right? So. Again, we're talking about marriage, and so I, I decided, you guys know where yours is at? Let me, let me read it. This certifies that Jonathan Mark Haley, in case you know my middle name, and Joy Ann Daniel Haley reunited in marriage on this day, the 31st of July, in the year of 1993. Wow. This ceremony was witnessed and celebrated by Michael Haley, my brother, and Jill Daniel, Joy's sister, and officiated by Mike Haley, my father. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? How many of you know where yours is at? And you know, in our culture today, have you ever heard the statement, well, it's just a piece of paper? And in our culture today, we have devalued marriage, and we've devalued what this piece of paper means. Um, and, and the reality is, it is just a piece of paper, right? And I just, I just print this off Google Images, so don't like get all freaked out on me or something. I knew you guys were going to fall for that. It was awesome. Like, I, I seriously just Google Images marriage license, and this is what it came up. And, and then I wrote on it. So anyways, how many of you were about to really be angry at me, right? You know what's, you know what's interesting, though? It is just a piece of paper. The paper uh, before God doesn't really have any value, but this paper... Well, not this one particularly, it represents a covenant that Joy and I made before these witnesses and before God. That till death do us part. And we believe that marriage is clearly defined in scripture. That marriage is to be between one man and one woman. And God's purpose is for a lifetime. That we're going to make this covenant that we're going to stay together. And the truth is, uh, our marriage, Joy and I's marriage, is, has never been and will never be perfect James talks about this, that we all stumble in many ways. In other words, we all mess up a lot, don't we? And, and when you put two people together that both mess up a lot, guess what's going to happen? There's going to be a lot of mess-ups. And then you add kids who mess up a lot. And some of your kids really mess up a lot, right? And, and so it's not the idea of a perfect marriage, and, and this is just a piece of paper. But it does signify a covenant that we made. And the truth is, it is pretty important. Not this one, but—and we found this out this a this, uh, couple weeks ago. Uh, my brother-in-law and, and sister-in-law, they had sent their mo- uh, his mother to Missouri to go to the courthouse because they needed a copy of their marriage certificate for their insurance, changing insurances. And guess what they found out? they have been married 23 years, and they found out that officially in the state of Missouri, they never actually were married because no one ever turned in the proper paperwork. <laughs> like, Oops! <laughs> I'm, I'm glad my name wasn't at the bottom that officiated, right? And uh, so they never were married. So I, anyways, that's an interesting story, and I hope they're not mad at me for telling it. But it is important, but the paper itself isn't that important. It's the covenant that we make in marriage. And, and again, we are, have obviously identified that marriage is not really easy. And we think about how different we are right? So uh, many of the women in here since they were little girls they dreamed about the day they were going to get married. They, they dreamed about what it was going to look like and you know they, they dreamed about the perfect man and you know that dream probably didn't come true but they dreamed about the perfect man and the perfect wedding day and what it was gonna look like and what the cake was going to look like they dreamed about the perfect kids and they just envisioned what it was going to be like and I, I found out recently that my sister my older sister uh, she had envisioned and she had dreamed and hoped that she was going to have 11 kids. And, and she even had 11 names picked out and 11 middle names picked out. And all it did for me is, is just solidify my mind. She's a little crazy. But, you know, women have like planned and planned and thought and thought and dreamed and dreamed about the, the wedding day. And, and men, on the other hand... Let's just be real honest. All we dreamed about is the wedding night. We weren't, we weren't worried about none of the details. But let me just say something about this too. Marriage is difficult, and when we think about marriage, it's sad to say in our statistics, almost any statistic you want to search out about marriage is that, that marriages in America, 50% of them end in divorce. What, what do you think about that? And how, why is that? It made me think about, what if tomorrow, what if tomorrow you knew there was a 50% chance that you were going to get in a major car accident on your way to work tomorrow? How would you plan your day? You, you may stay off 35, right, and hopefully increase your odds of surviving the day, right? We, we would plan, we would prepare. Um, recently, as as William mentioned already this morning, that uh, a group of us got to, to hike, and we, on day three of, of our 18-day hike, we, we got to hike and Summit Mount Whitney, uh, 14,505 feet, depending on who you ask. I saw some that said four, uh, 14, nine, uh, 490-something feet. But anyways, 14,505 feet. Uh, and let me show you a picture of it. I wish I had one of me, Keith, and Andrew, but uh, for whatever reason, we didn't get us all three together. Uh, but it was a big accomplishment, and what I didn't know at the time... Because I didn't want to know at the time, is that seventy percent of the people who try to summit Mount Whitney fail? There's only a thirty percent success rate, and I'm not saying fellas and they die; they just don't make it to the top. All right, I got some like looks at me like what? <laughs> they just didn't make it to the top. Okay, seventy percent don't make it to the top of Mount Whitney. What's interesting about that statistic, or what was kind of threw me off, was that. 56% of people who uh, try to summit Mount Everest fail. And the difference between the two. So Mount Whitney is 14,505 feet, whereas Mount Everest is twice as high. 28, 29,000 feet or whatever. But only 56% fell Mount Everest, whereas 70% fell Mount Whitney. And why is that? Because obviously... Mount Whitney should be much easier. L- let me read a statement for you of why, and here's what it says. The number one reason for failing the summit Mount Whitney remains the complete lack of preparation for the rigors and the hazards of the climb. Listen to the statement. Most people underestimate the altitude effects and overestimate their level of conditioning. And uh, here's the main reason, obviously because they overestimate their own ability, they underestimate the difficulty, but it's also the preparation and the investment. So in order to, to summit Mount Everest, you're going to give up several months of your life. And you're going to give up about $50,000 just to be able to have a chance to do it. Okay? Whereas Mount Whitney, you can do it in one day. And it costs $21 to get a permit to do Mount Whitney. So little preparation, little investment equals a high failure rate. Are you, are you tracking with me? And here in our, in our culture today, we have, we have glorified one part of marriage over the preparation of marriage. You know, the average person, the average marriage in 2018 in America was 44, the wedding, $44,000 in 2018. $44,000. And you see, we've placed such a high value on the wedding day, the experience, because we got to have the best pictures and the best video and Instagram worthy and all those kind of things. And we throw this big party for people who really don't care. They're just there for the free food. And we spend thousands and thousands of dollars, but we fail to prepare properly for marriage. And and it's amazing to me how many couples that I've talked to over the years who will spend all this money on a wedding day that's going to last. Like the average ceremony that I've been a part of lasts about 20 minutes. Of course, the party afterwards may last a lot longer than that, but they spend thousands of thousands dollars. But then you suggest that they go to a, a counselor. Oh, well, I, they charge 100 bucks an hour. And it's funny in a way, but really sad and true in a way, isn't it? That we've invested so much into the dream of a wedding day, and we fail to prepare for actually having a successful marriage. So here's kind of an underlying question then. So we have, how many of you in here uh, this morning are single? Just raise your hand, all right? You're single, you're not married, all right? So that includes all the kids, right, hopefully, and all the students over here, all right? And, and so here's the question for all of us, married or not married. Do, do you believe that a healthy, God-honoring marriage is possible? Do you believe it's possible? And, and, and so turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. Do you believe a healthy, God-honoring marriage is actually possible? Matthew chapter 7. And in the context here, Jesus is speaking, and he's not referencing specifically marriage, but I think the application is very easy to transfer to marriage and to really most aspects of our life, the teaching. So Matthew chapter 7, verse number 24. Matthew 7, 24. It says here in verse 24, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. So Jesus is saying, Listen, I'm teaching you some principles of life, how to follow God, how to honor God with your life, how to pursue God with your life. And if you will listen to my teachings, if you'll listen to my instructions, then you're wise. Okay, that's what he said so far in verse 24. Verse 25. And the rain descended on the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on the house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the what? The rock. The rock being Jesus. So this is a principle in all aspects of our life. We're applying this today to our marriage. We think about our life. If we will build our marriage, if we will build our life on the foundation, the rock, Jesus, then when the rains come, remember the old song, the rains came down and the floods went up. You guys remember that? You all want to sing that together? I don't, so we're not going to. No. <laughs> Let, let's keep reading. Maybe, maybe we'll get to it, all right? Verse 26. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. So you remember, you'd go through the song, and the house that was built on the rock would what? It would stand what? Firm. Remember that? and the house on the sand it went what yeah how many do it ready the house on the sand went did we say splat or what who says splat all right well i'm gonna go with that then all right so this principle you learned in junior church as a kid that if we'll build our life the foundation on jesus the rock then when life gets difficult when marriage gets difficult and and we all know marriage gets difficult that if we we have a foundation built on the rock on jesus then we can stand firm but if we don't have a foundation built on jesus then the house is going to go splat it's it's not going to hold up so you know the question here is we think about this here's the the misconception we have in our culture right now and it's fairly new and we think about this misconception is that that oftentimes you will might hear it, you might, you might have said it, I can't wait till I find the one. Because if I find the one, then I'll be happy and I'll be fulfilled. And, you know, this idea of finding the one, this one will complete me. And, and I'll be honest, people say that to me all the time, and I just honestly, like the non-spiritual side of me just wants to smack them across the face and say, you're just messed up. Because here's the truth. If you're looking for someone to complete you or to fulfill you or to make you happy or to give you purpose or to give you value, you're not going to find that in any person. All right? It's just not going to happen. It's not going to happen. So in, in his book Marriage on the Rock, Jimmy Evans wrote a book in 1994 called Marriage on the Rocks, and this is where we're getting these vows from that we're going to walk through the next few weeks. And Gregor Greg Shell at Life Church kind of reworked them a little bit, and so we're getting a little information from these really these two sources. But the underlying thought here is that if I if you are looking for an individual a person to fulfill you to complete you. To, to give you satisfaction and purpose and value and meaning, listen, you're looking at the wrong thing. You're not going to find that in a person. You're not, no, one, no other person can complete you, okay? I know it sounds romantic and all that, and, and, and trust me, the, the truth is, this idea of uh, romantic marriage and romantic wedding, is in, when you look at the history, it's fairly new. Okay? This idea of a romantic you know, you complete me type thought. You know guys, you know what we're talking about, right? The next few months, you're gonna leave the room with the football game on, you're gonna come back, and there's gonna be that magical moment on the TV where all of a sudden the snow begins to fall. They have the magical kiss, and you know your wife has turned it to the Hallmark Channel. The moral of the story, don't get up during the football game, all right? <laughs> and, and I'm telling you, it's going to happen. It happened to me last night. It did. And I sat down, and I was like, wait, this isn't a commercial. And my wife loves me so much, she turned it back to the game. I didn't, I didn't even say anything. But anyways, I'm not sure why I'm telling you that. Uh, but that picture-perfect moment. And here's what happens when we set up to find the one. Eventually we get married and we realize the one's not the one, so I need to go find the one that is the one. Yeah. Because, we're, because the reality is we're, we're trying to make them something they're not. We're trying to get them to fulfill a role that they can't. So as we, as we walk through this this morning, first I, I have a vow, or this first statement here. Who's the one? Okay, when we think about this romantic notion that there's this one person that's going to completely and fulfill me and satisfy me and give me meaning and purpose. Who's the one? If you have your outline, I want you to write it in. God is your one and your spouse is your two. God is your one and your spouse is your two. In Matthew chapter 22, which we read often because it's such an important passage of scripture. Jesus speaks, and Jesus says this, You shall love God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. The the understanding here is that God is, number one, not my spouse. And every time I do a marriage ceremony, I'll explain to the couple as we're up on the stage, listen, and I'll say to the man, so John, listen, your number one priority, the number one relationship is not with your spouse, it is with the Lord. And if you will keep your relationship with God, the number one priority, he's your number one, your spouse is number two, then as we think about this teaching of Jesus in Matthew, that my, my house, my marriage, my life is built on the rock, and when the storms come, there's a foundation, the foundation is in Christ, then we can survive the storm. Because we all know, if we've been married very long, storms are coming. They're going to happen. So... There's two vows here we're going to look at this morning. The the first one I I want to mention to all those in here that are single this morning. And so here's the vowel. I want you to to fill in the blanks. Everyone fill them in. This is specifically for the singles. And you'll notice in both these vows, we have this signature. And I don't want you to sign it yet, okay? So hold on from signing it. Maybe you've already done it. You know, you're not going to fail. Just don't do it yet if you haven't, all right? Here's the vowel for the singles. I will seek the one... And in case there's any need for clarification, the one is Jesus. We've just established that while preparing for my two. I will seek the one while preparing for my two. And can I just give a side note for a moment to, to all our students over here, okay? So, first of all, I want to say, man... If you're not aware, the uh, the students, many of them, every Sunday morning when we do our time of response, the invitation, and we come forward, and, and some of us come forward and pray, and, and they go out, and you guys, I know, they used to kind of gather right here at the front of the stage and pray, and it was kind of, at least for me, it was very encouraging to see all the students pray. But now, they're not just leaving to go to the restroom, if you've noticed them leaving out the door on the invitation. They're going out there, and they're just huddled up in groups so that, more people get an opportunity to pray. And so they're huddled in three or four out here praying. And in fact, uh, a couple weeks ago as I'm walking out, I hear one of them praying as I'm, as I'm walking around to go uh, greet our guests. And, and this was the, the last thing I heard them say, Lord, as we leave today, help us go be the church. Wasn't that awesome? Uh, and so I, I commend you guys for doing that. And, and honestly, I talked to Carlos about it because I'm like, man, how'd you get him to do that? And he said, no, this is all student-led. The students wanted to go out, and they wanted more opportunity to pray and to be really about leadership, so meeting groups. But, so I just wanted to give you a side note on that. But students, I, I don't want to talk to you for a second about relationships, okay? Um, I know it could get awkward, but it's not going to get awkward, okay? I, I'm just giving you some of my personal advice. I'm not going to give you a scripture and a verse about it. I'm just giving you some personal advice. For those of you in junior high school, dating, don't. It's not worth it. I know they have some couples that are like, oh, I'm not sitting by her right now. So, girl, guys, let me just explain something. The girls are going to waste your time and your talents and your treasure, all right? We talked about this last few weeks. Didn't we talk about this last few weeks? I'm going to give God my best, not the rest, which includes my time, my talents, my treasure. And trust me, guys, girls are going to waste your time, talent, and treasure. Now, girls, let me just explain something to you. The guys are just a waste, okay, in <laughs> junior and high school. They're not, they're not worth your time, all right? But, but in all seriousness, listen, when you enter in that kind of a relationship, it is always, almost every without fail in your situation, it's going to pull you away from God. Always. So you're going to have to make a decision. Is, is God, am I going to seek the one Which is Jesus, while preparing for my two. All right? We good? Can we all shake and be friends still? All right? Very good. Trust me on this. Okay? It's not worth all the emotional baggage you're going to have because you were in love when you were 12. Okay? Just trust me on that. All right? Now, for all of us, all the singles in here, make a commitment. I'm going to stop pursuing the one that's going to complete me, and I'm going to pursue the only one that can complete me, and that's Jesus. I'm going to pursue Christ. All right? so let's look at the, at the vow here for uh, those of us in here that are married. Okay, I, I promise God will be my first priority, my spouse will be my second. I promise God will be my first priority, and my spouse will be my second. Uh, and going back to uh, the first vow, I will seek the one while preparing for my two. I love this statement. I, I skipped over it by Andy Stanley. It says this, again, talking to those in the room that are single, because, or become the person you're looking for is looking for. I love that statement. Become the person you're looking for is looking for. Pursue God while you prepare for your number two. Again, don't sign this, all right? We're going to do that in a minute. But again, when we think about, I, I kind of want to go back to this thought of, there's just the one for me. And if I find the one, I'm going to have value. I'm going to find purpose. I'm going to find meaning, and I'm going to be complete. Here's, here's what the person who was doing, Joy and I, so Joy and I, when we were in college, we got, we got married really young. Joy had barely turned 20. I was 19 years old. We both had two years of Bible college left, and we got married young. But we, we at least uh, went to some marriage, pre-marriage counseling before we got married. And I remember what I don't remember much of what he said, but I do remember one thing that he told me. And here's what he told us both. When you're dating, opposites attract. And when you get married, opposites attack. You guys ever heard that before? Now, this is multiplied times 100 if you think that person is the one. Because here's what I love the way Greg Rochelle puts it. You idolize them, then you get married, and you demonize them. Let me see, explain how that would play out. So ladies, you know, right? You made this statement. He's just so laid back. He's so relaxed. And then you get married. He's such a lazy bum. (laughs) All he does is play video games, right? And and guys, you you know, it's like, oh man, she, she loves... Uh, she, she is organized she takes control she's responsible then you get married and you're like she's controlling and she always tells me what to do and we idolize and then we demonize why is that Here, let me let me read this statement the problem is you're asking your spouse to meet a need they were not designed to meet because god is designed to meet your number one need of priority not your spouse so together you serve god but that person that you're married to is not designed to meet the need that only god can meet so when when i put the expectation on joy that she is supposed to complete me give me purpose give me value then what i am doing is i'm making her my god i'm idolizing her and i'm putting her position that she can never succeed at so what's going to happen when she can't succeed because she can't succeed then I'm going to be upset with her, and I haven't found the right one, so I need to go get the right one. You see how that unravels? The same is for Joy. Trust me, she knows that if she thinks I'm going to complete her and give her fulfillment and give her joy and make her, her wildest dreams come true, she knows that I can't fulfill that for her. Only one person can do that, and that is the person of Jesus Christ. And when she, or if she were to set me up as the person who completes her, then she is now putting me in the place of God. And when I fail to meet her needs, because I can't, because I'm not God, and all people said amen, but she is now going from idolizing me to now demonizing me. He's not the one. I must go find the one. And so we have to make sure that we realize that the priority is not the two, it's the one. I'm going to pursue the one while I'm preparing for the two. For those of us who are married, my wife is second. God is first. And trust me, I know it sounds a little bit odd, maybe if you're hearing this for the first time, but understand this, I I will I will never be the husband I'm supposed to be. I will never be the father I'm supposed to be until I'm the Christian I'm supposed to be. Until I'm following Jesus with all my heart, my soul, my strength of mind, I will never be able to fulfill the role that God has in any aspect of my life. In home or at work. That's, that goes for all of us. God has to be first. That's what the, the Ten Commandments, right? What did God say? You shall have no other gods before me. Matthew 6, 24, I read a few weeks ago. No one can serve two masters. He'll hate the one and love the other. He'll be loyal to the one and despise the other. You can't serve God and, in that context, money. Listen. The misconception that there's the one that's going to complete you is wrong. Find your identity in Christ. Find your value in Christ. Find your meaning in Christ in Christ. Find your purpose in Christ. Find your value in Christ. What are we just saying? Christ is what? Enough. So for singles, I don't need a spouse because Christ is enough. For married, I, I don't need that person to complete me because Christ is enough. He's enough and I have to make that decision. Christ is enough for me. Now, the big thought here, or kind of continuing this vow, on the bottom of your bulletin, it says, protect the priorities. Protect the priorities. And I could spend a whole nother sermon on this one thought, but, but let, me just, uh, let me just point out to one I think that's the biggest problem in our culture today, as far as marriage is protecting the priorities. Because here's a proper order, priorities, okay? God is number one. So me as a husband, me as a father, here's, here's what my priority should look like. That God is my number one priority. That shall have no other gods before me. I can't serve God and anything else. God is my first priority. My second priority as a husband now is my spouse. God and then my spouse. My third priority, now because I am a father, is it's God, it's my spouse, and now it's my kids. God, spouse, kids. Number four on that then would be work, because I need to provide for my spouse and my kids. Number five then would be the church, us. Here's the problem, and and again, I I could address every one of these. I think the biggest problem we have in our culture in regards to our priorities in marriage and in families is... Most of us, husband and wife, God is not first. Our spouse is not first. Our kids are first. And we have made our kids our number one priority. Look at the culture. A few years ago they did a study, an economic study. And it was really a new study on, on how much money is spent on kids, what they claimed as kids sports tourism. Just in America, $7 billion spent annually on kids' sports tourism. What, what many families have fallen in the trap is, is kids are number one priority, and the God they're serving is the potential of their kids. My kid's going to be the next whatever. And we all know your kid's probably not going to be the next whatever. But as couples, you see it over and over again. We set our kids as a number one priority, uh, and each other, who knows where that falls in line. God's somewhere down there. It's, it's probably, in most homes, it's going to be kids, work, spouse, hobbies, church. That's just where we are at. And I'm asking you to evaluate your own life, your own family, whose first. Because what happens is, we put our kids first as the number one priority, and you'll see it over and over and over again. The kids turn 18, they go out to college, and now, where's my priorities? And a lot of marriages end at that point, because kids have become the priority. Listen, mom and dad, the best thing, the, the number one thing you can do for your kids is have God as your number one priority, have your spouse as number two, and have your kids as number three. When, when, our, when, when Blair was little, I used to call... I'm not going to tell you the nickname because it's kind of embarrassing, but I used to call her Princess. Okay, Princess something else, but uh, multiple names on this princess tag. And one day when she was little, she's like, I don't want to be the princess, I want to be the queen. <laughs> no. You're never going to be my queen. You're the princess, mommy's the queen. The best thing I can do as a dad... God's number one priority, my spouse is my number two priority, and my kids are number three. What order do you have them in? If, if you're like the average American home, you've probably got them flipped. You've probably got them flipped. Priorities. One last passage, Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. And again, this goes way beyond just marriage and parenting this goes into all of us all of us need to maybe take an examination of our priorities is god number 1 in our life is god take first place luke chapter number 10 i'm gonna, for sake of time i'm going to give you a lot of context but mary and martha are great friends with jesus jesus comes over to the house he sits down mary sits down at the feet of jesus and just wants to hear jesus talk verse number 38 Luke chapter 10 now it happened as they went into they entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him to her house she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus feet and heard his words so you get the picture The two sisters are in the home. Jesus comes in the home, and Mary, what does she do? She goes and sits at the feet of Jesus. She wants to hear the words. Think about what we already read in Matthew, that Jesus said, if you'll listen to my teachings and you will apply them, then you're building your life, your foundation on the rock, Jesus. This is what Mary's doing. She's she's sitting at the feet of Jesus. She's listening. She's learning. She wants to apply. But, verse number 39, Martha was, you might underline that word, distracted. She was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care? My sister has left me to serve alone. Therefore, tell her to help me. How? Man, I'd love to just unpack that, right? Like, you come to Jesus and say, do you not see my sisters being a lazy bum? Could you tell her to get up and work? Right? That's what she's saying. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha. It's, it's almost like when your kids are little and you use the middle name. When I, when I, got, when I heard Jonathan Mark, then I knew there was going to be marks on me, right? Jonathan Mark, we're in trouble. Martha, Martha, you were worried and troubled about many things. You might underline that. We're distracted. We're worried about a bunch of things, but not the most important thing. In verse number 42, he says, but one thing is needed. Mary has chosen the good part which will not be taken from her. The the question is simple for us this morning. Is God in his proper place? Is he the number one priority of your life? And this morning, maybe you can't make God the number one priority of your life because you don't have a relationship with God. And and I want to tell you this morning that what we've sung about, and we've talked about Jesus, and Jesus is enough. And here's what I want you to understand this morning, that, that our sin separates us from a holy, righteous God. But God loves you so much, he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross so that you could have a relationship with him. And, and in that relationship, God wants to be the number one priority of your life. And so maybe this morning you've never made him the Lord of life. You've, you've never developed or started, begun a relationship with Jesus. Here's what I want to encourage you to do this morning. In a moment, we're going we're gonna to end the service with a song. And there's going to be several men and women up here lined up on the stage facing you. And if you would like to give your life to Jesus, if you'd like to start that relationship, accept the forgiveness Jesus offers to you, then what I'm going to encourage you to do is walk forward in a moment when we're standing here and just shake someone's hand and say, I want a relationship with Jesus. For the rest of us this morning, I ask you not to sign the paper, right? And here's why, because here's what I'm going to challenge you to do this morning, whether you're you're single or whether you're married, whatever your stage of life is in, whether you've been married five months or 55 years, like Ken and Diana over here celebrated yesterday, I I want you to make a commitment. I want you to sign that. I'm going to seek the one, will I prepare the two? God will be my one, my spouse will be my two. And make that commitment. I would encourage you to to come down here with your spouse and make that commitment to each other. I'm gonna pursue God with all my heart and you're gonna be the second. And we're gonna do this together. Would you close your eyes for a moment this morning?